Hello and welcome to Balcony Talks. I'm Margarida and today we'll talk about hormones. Why are hormones important in a management podcast? <laughs> Let me first uh, tell you something and ask you a few questions. So, a fact. There was a study made by Deloitte on 2019 that stated over 80% of executives believe that the ability to lead through complexity and ambiguity is now a unique leadership requirement. Let me know if you think this is true and if so, let me ask you a few more questions. So, have you ever thought about um, why is your communication not reaching the team, the team or a specific individual, but usually more than one? And why do behaviors take so long to change? So sometimes we want to induce some change in an organization or in a team or even on an individual, but it takes a lot of time. So why? Also, why are the mindsets so difficult to change? And there is knowledge available that can support us as managers in terms of these questions. Um, but think a little bit about this. Uh, for me, it was not so easy to answer because, of course, there's a lot of knowledge about these topics. But when we go to the field and start applying um, our ideas, usually these questions are very, very hard to answer. So that's why I find useful. Uh, to talk a little bit today with you about hormones in a management or leadership context because actually hormones are the baseline of the coaching skills and we need to talk about neuroscience in business well talk as in only scratching a little bit the surface because nowadays mental resilience uh, is actually the key um, for leaders in this area because you know we talked about in in previous episodes we are in a fast and furious I'm just kidding in a fast area where a lot of things are changing uh, so we, we live in the worker world like we talked before uh, on I think it was epi an episode called time so the context changes very quickly technologies change very quickly so we need to adapt constantly and we also need to uh, drive that change in our teams and as managers. So today we are going to stage uh, a little bit of the fundamentals of neuroscience, biopsychology and uh, in a very, very, of course, simple way. So only understanding uh, or try to understand how are the more basic hormones and why they are important to human behavior um, and so I think this is a very cool topic I am stu studying it a little bit and I think it's helping me on the day-to-day -day activities that I have to do as a manager but um, I invite you also to see if this is a topic of your interest and if it is I can of course record more episodes with a deep dive on the on this subject So, first of all, we need to talk about the human brain. So, the human brain is the organ that produces our consciousness, allows us to process the words that I'm saying right now, but just like any other stimuli, right? It allows us to think, to decide, communicate, learn, create, feel, uh, etc. 
So the brain is responsible for cognition and for uh, our behavior as humans. And this happens via uh, neural, neuronal connections. So we need to understand this because in our teams, we know a little bit about human psychology. So um, as managers, probably we have read a lot of things about behaviors, uh, about uh, how to perform, for example, in one-on-ones, how to provide communication that is very hard to, to, to pass sometimes, uh, to manage conflicts, uh, a lot of content like this. But actually, when we are in, in a team, for example, and the human behavior is not the same when we are with one individual as when we are with a group of, of individuals, right? So um, the human psychology breaks down into actually biology and then biology breaks down into chemistry so everything that is going around in, in our neuronal connections inside our brains and in our nervous system in our body it's producing hormones and those hormones are, are the ones i want to talk a little bit about today and we will understand more about this um, as, as i dive in so we have two modes on our nervous system. One mode is the sympathetic, that is what we can call the survival mode. It's more related to well our past as, as beings uh, and when we need to survive to harsh conditions. And then the other one is the sympathetic, that is related to when we are relaxed in a relaxed and recovery mode. Let's call it like that. So we see no threat around us and we can just relax. So these modes are activated like uh, automatically, <laughs> I'm quoting here. So we cannot uh, choose consciously about which mode we want to operate, right? And usually the, there's uh, external factors that trigger one mode or the other, but we can just produce hormones, our, our body produces hormones uh, for us to enter in one or the other mode. So for leaders, these two modes, we need to combine both, just as, of course, uh, individuals, but also to be an effective um, leader or manager. Well, usually we are both, hopefully, <laughs> on our jobs. But this is important to understand because in some situations we want to enforce one uh, mode and in other situations we, we need to enforce the other one and so here comes the, this part of the coaching and sometimes we need to take the hat of the manager and put the coach hat and sometimes we need to do the opposite and sometimes we need to do both so that's why some of the questions i asked you on the beginning then we need to understand a little bit of the science to help uh, answering them so the fundamental factors that create the optimal conditions for the brain to work, it's what we want to know so we can actually reach that goal. Because this will ignite uh, our individuals that are working with us and our teams to be at their best performance. Um, and there's a lot, of course, a lot, a lot that we need to learn about the brain. I think it's the... Um, possibly the most uh, studied organ in human in the human body but it's the one that we know less about we as as uh, 
a, a conscience collectiveness. Um, so to optimize the brain, we need to know about the hormones that we are talking today. And once we know about the hormones that we are talking about today, we can try to understand how they are triggered and try to trigger them or not um, to reach the goal that we want. So sometimes we need someone to be on this parasympathetic mode, so relaxed and recovering. And this is very important to the long-term goals in terms of mental resilience. And it's important that we balance that with sometimes Of course, we need to induce some some stress on the teams and we want them to be on the sympathetic mode. And, well, I, this is very controversial because uh, in theory, we should not be on that mode. So, like, uh, there's a big lion in the jungle running for us and we went in the sympathetic mode that is our surviving mode. So, when we are on that mode, the brain is telling... It, itself and all our body that okay this is survival mode so we, we are diminishing all the body functions and focusing on just the ones we need to survive uh, and this goes then to adrenaline and etc that we are going to talk a little bit more um, later on and for me all of this is very important in terms of what we can call a term that is now uh, in vogue I think that is the neuroplasticity Neuroplasticity is when we try to understand better our brain to know how to re rewire it. So if the environment is always changing, and this is a reality on corporations, on organizations, because we live in this fast-paced world, then we need, of course, to have this neuroplasticity because the environment change. We also need to change, we need to adapt, and this can be extremely exhausting. So we need to keep our brains and ourselves resilient to be able to respond to, to the outside world. So this re rewiring and sometimes very frequent needs to be done a lot. And that's why I think this topic is not one of the most spoken topics right now uh, in management. But for me, it's really um, a big one and a very important one and the key to many of the challenges that, that we need to face. Um, so neuroplasticity, another thing that we need to understand and this one, yes, it's very, very spoken, everyone knows about it, it's the cognitive load. So cognitive load, I think also we talked about in previous episodes, but it's essentially when we have so many stimuli Uh, for the brain that we we feel the, the the burden, the load in terms of cognition. And also we know and the younger uh, people are, I think they are automatically or almost wired to work with the, a lot of devices, machines, be exposed to so many, so many information. So we, aside of the cognitive load, we also have cognitive diversity. And This can be a problem because actually our brains are not built to have this load in terms of cognition that we have today. So we have a lot of things and the episode about time also spoke a little bit about that. We have a lot, a lot of stimuli, responsibilities. Uh, we just queue up a lot of things to do and it's not things only like tasks. It's 
knowledge, it's emotional uh, imbalance, uh, accumulated with a lot of stress, with a lot of expectations, um, with a lot of things that we are almost like um, people think that we should know. So in, in terms of the manager specifically, management, it's a wide, wide world. Um, so of course we need to be very knowledgeable in some art skills that the manager has to have, but there are so many fields of knowledge that of course for this role in specific and many others, but in this case we are focusing on this one, there's a lot of cognitive load in terms of all the things that we could invest our time on learning uh, and not only learning, just kind of absorb the information around us. Uh, one example, we need to know a lot uh, about, for example, finance or accounting in some specific management roles, but we also need to know about legal specific uh, um, topics and also need to know a lot about, of course, um, human resources management or people management because we have a team and we also need to know a little bit about the fundamentals of coaching and we also need to know about, for example, if you work in tech, uh, understand how level the tech solution and technology is involved and also need to know, well, etc, etc, you, you know the drill. So this is what we hear a lot about cognitive load and cognitive diversity and this requires our brain to be very agile right and how can we do that like when we think when we talk about this i always remember like this uh, uh, 80 years old um, person that just does a lot of sudokus <laughs> to keep uh, the brain agile but we know that's not the, the the answer right on our since a young age on our lives we need to kind of preserve our brain and our cognition and uh, of course then to be resilient uh, for the world that is always changing um, so this was another topic that I wanted to, to reach so I'm kind of trying um, to do a deep dive very very and again scratching only the surface on all the topics that are more uh, topics right now in regards to neuroscience in business or management like this cognition load etc uh, mental health it's another topic this one i won't deep dive because i think it's well pretty obvious for everyone mental health is a big topic right now it's a concern um, more and more we know that as the world change, changes so fast uh, people are getting more of um, well not not only health uh, mental health troubles but um, even dementia it's one of the big um, well problems of our modern society right we know about that so mental health is another big topic that I think um, having this focus on the neuroscience in business can help in the long term Maybe it's a stretch, but I think we need to start somewhere and the leaders know about these kind of topics, maybe, uh, well, a step one. So this was the other. Uh, another one that I think it's important 
uh, for us to speak a little bit about it. Um, the brain, we have, uh, I don't know how many actually, but two big, maybe, that I'm, I can recall, two big types of learning, um, human learning. So, you know, there are people, uh, I am one of those people, that for me, I learn um, faster and better with visualization and action. And some people, you know, they are more like academic, if I can say it like that, and they don't need the visualization, for example. So they just like, they listen to a professor in a class, for example, and then they can capture uh, all of the information, like almost, I wouldn't say instantly, but with very ease, at ease. And for me, and I think the majority of the people, The learning process, it's, it's a little bit different. So I need to visualize, for example, if I do a, di a diagram or a process of what the professor is telling me on a class, for me, it's much easier to, to write it down and look at it in a visual, very, very visual way, even with colors, etc. And so I learn it and my brain then just remembers that visualization and it's easier. And why is this important? For leaders, I think visualization and action are two things that are key. So if, for example, the work that a company has, if we don't visualize it, how the hell will we know what's going on and what shouldn't be going on and what will we prioritize, etc. Right? So not only for knowledge and learning purposes, but also for management purposes. We need to understand which kind of brains are we working with and the vast majority of them will be the ones um, focusing on, on visualization. So picking again on the neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity, we are talking about the brain of the individuals. We talked a little bit about the brain as teams, so uh, um, conscious collectiveness, uh, if I can call it like this, it's a white term. But then we also have the need of neuroplasticity in organizations. And why? So I think, and of course my opinion again, the managers are, are key individuals to induce change in the organization. So if they have that neuroplasticity and they induce it on the teams and then all the teams are with that mindset of change in the organization, it's very easy. Well, I wouldn't say very easy, actually, I'm being so positive. <laughs> it's a little bit easier to change. And that's what we need to induce on, on organizations to be more agile and to change, right? Because if the world is changing, is changing and the organization is not, Well, bad things will happen. Of course, we will lose the train in terms of uh, be a market fit. We can lose our talent because there are greener fields are out there. So a lot of things uh, can happen and we don't want that. So we want to be resilient for the change that is um, happening, right? So I think these are this kind of three layers. So neuroplasticity within our brain as individual, in our team as collective and in our organization as a whole. And of course, if we want to go further then in, in our society, etc. 
but I won't, wouldn't go that far because that's not our scope here today. Um, okay, so now let's go to the juicy part and talk a little bit about the hormones. So we talked about two modes of the nervous system, if you can recall, so the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, and the, the hormones. So we have a lot of hormones. I have absolutely no um, whatsoever specific knowledge about this, okay? So I studied business management. I'm not like a doctor or a scientist, <laughs> but this is what I studied and I'm sharing it with you. And if you think this is useful, we can then try to understand if you can do like an episode two on this subject and even invite a specialist. I identified seven main hormones that are important for the subject I'm talking about today. And the first one is dopamine. Dopamine, why? Dopamine, I think, and I it's on the top of my list because it's the hormone of the motivation, of exploring, of feeling rewarded, learning, habits, so this is dopamine. Dopamine is when a specific example and why it's important for managers. When we are exploring like a hot new topic that we feel it's very important for the work we are doing, it's kind of motivating us, right? So when this is happening, we are releasing dopamine into our system. So it's a good hormone. Also very important to identify people who have the need to feel their managers and their peers and their team is um, identifying their well great job and efforts and they need they have the need to feel rewarded so when we are rewarding this kind of individuals within our teams they are also releasing dopamine which is good the other hormone that i have here is serotonin this is related to willpower it's also a mood stabilizer and it's a motivator uh, hormone. So serotonin is also important and we also can, if we look closely to each one of the persons that we have in our team, we can sometimes understand we have that one or two people that are the first to raise their hands when they have like a heavy commitment on something and they want to pitch in and help out. Usually these kind of persons have, well, great willpower, but they are also so stable and rational. So serotonin is on some situations the hormone they are releasing. The other one, it's melatonin. This is not so important on like a team uh, setting in terms of organizations, but it's important for us as individuals. So I'm, I'm mentioning it. So sero, uh, melatonin is the sleep cycle hormone. That's why some people when they are experiencing, well, uh, difficulty in sleeping and resting. And we, of course, we all know her resting is important for brain resilience. Um, well, I'm not even going to, to the, the physical uh, benefits of, of sleeping and, well, troubles of not sleeping. So some people even take melatonin to sleep. So, you know, the, the, the health practice, good practice you need, you need to, to, to do to have a good sleep, like take your melatonin, take your vitamin D, so get a little bit, uh, 20 minutes a day, go out in the sun. Usually that's not enough. Some people have to take some vitamin D and then also melatonin. 
but well, this important as individuals take care of our health, so it's an important hormone, not as much and on the team corporate setting. Then the other one, it's oxytocin. It's the trust uh, hormone. It relates to connection, to love. And this was very curious because on my research, uh, there are some, well, let's not talk about the corporate team. Let's talk about, for example, people that are at college working in a group. So they have a group work. And when they are feeling that the work is going towards, well, a good uh, scenario, well, they will have a great grade, for example, they are feeling not only efficient, but uh, effective. And they release in this situation oxytocin. So it's really cool because they are working good, very good as a group. They trust each other. They like what they're doing. So this effective and efficiency also releases oxytocin. So when we think about this hormone, it's usually the love hormone, right? When we have like a romantic setting or something, someone we love so much, uh, someone or something, even a pet, for example. But actually, it's not only on that setting. So oxytocin is also important on um, efficiency and effectiveness, um, which I thought was very interesting. So the next one are to pronounce, not sure if I'm saying it right, but it's nonepenphrine. So I don't know, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the thinking hormone. So when we are focused, very, very focused, like in a tunnel, tunnel vision almost, this is the hormone that we are releasing. And this hormone, I think it was quite interesting because it's very related to stress uh, resilience. And this is my interpretation. That is, when we are in the thinking mode, in the focus mode, like, like almost in this, I'm calling the tunnel vision, and releasing this hormone. So we are so focused on a task or, or a subject that we kind of, I, don't, I wouldn't say ignore, but shut down a little bit other factors that are around us. And that's why for me, my interpretation, we get resilient to stress from external factors because we are so focused on this one. And this actually goes a lot, uh, relates a lot to that cognitive load and uh, the cognitive resilience. And even um, the, that episode I, I'm referring a lot, that is the time one, uh, when we talked a little bit about being under pressure on time and deadlines and FOMO, etc. Because there are so many stimuli that actually when we start uh, focusing more and kind of multitasking uh, less, possibly we release this hormone and that's why it's stress uh, resilience. But of course, again, my research, my interpretation, please share your opinions because I would be very happy to hear, to hear them. The other hormone, it's adrenaline. So adrenaline, uh, we talked a little bit, little bit about when we are the, in the sympathetic mode of the brain, so the survival one, we release adrenaline. Adrenaline is a short-term uh, release hormone and it also narrows focus. So in a good way, if we are like, okay, we are trying to escape the line in the jungle that is going to... Um, it's coming after us, but it's not so good in, well, 
modern society situations when we release a lot of adrenaline and then adrenaline in our body produces a lot of other things so it shuts, shuts down non-vital um, functions and it's producing uh, usually linked to high levels of producing cortisol etc so in the long term for our mental resilience adrenaline can be um, bad unless of course well sometimes and it happened to me a lot um, well not a lot but it happened to me already when we have like a super alert in our heads as managers like a bad bad situation that we had just identified and we need to resolve like immediately for me and I know this because well I'm trying to get a little bit knowing about my behavior as human adrenaline can be actually good because it makes us be super focused and performant but of course we cannot have like these high peaks of energy and then low because it would be sustainable and there's no lion out there nobody's dying so we need to chill out a little bit it leads us then to cortisol that I just mentioned, the stress hormone. The stress hormone can be good in these situations, but usually, well, it's a very, very undermining hormone for the system if we are just producing it all the time. And then, of course, the one of the happy hormones, endorphins. That is the last one I wanted to speak a little bit about today. Endorphins, I think all everyone knows. Happiness hormones related to laughing, for example. It's also a pain reliever. That's why people like in bad health situations, um, they are incentivized by friends, family, doctors and nurses, for example, to do fun activities, to laugh, to think about good things. That's when we are releasing endorphins. Endorphins are also very important for teams. Because we talked on a lot of episodes separately about celebrating um, small wins, do some milestone parties, team buildings, engage the team, make them engage with each other. And usually on this kind of setting situations, endorphins are in the mix. Okay, so we talk about seven main hormones now. How do they relate with each other? And knowing this, let's go back to the questions. So is this helping us understand when we need to set an environment more relaxing, more happy, more stressful, uh, linking it to the work that we are doing with the team and what we want them to respond to that specific situation? Let me know, yes or no. So hormones, why are they important? Of course, because they are influencing our brain, our behavior of our body. So do you think, let me just see here what question can we answer. So why is the communication not reaching the team, for example? So do you think that an individual that is releasing a lot of adrenaline and cortisol, for example, would be in a good shape to receive your communication digested and then act accordingly yes or no let me know well for me it's a hard no 
But in a setting that we have a team with a lot of serotonin, for example, dopamine and endorphins, do you think that they will be responsive to the communication that you, you are trying to, to tell them? And do you think in that setting, for example, they be, their behaviors are a little bit easier to change, to induce change? And would they be more or less resilient to external changes? So I think, of course, we can could be here like one hour, two hours, three hours talking about this. This is, of course, it's a deep uh, topic. We could dive in a lot of scenarios and, of course, go into specific examples with the hormones and how the people would react and how could that affect or not our goals as teams and as managers of the, those teams. But, well, I will leave that to you think a little bit about this if the information on neuroscience is useful or not in terms of our management activities and to the businesses as a whole and an organization as a whole and how can we gather this information to improve our neuroplasticity and um, as we talked on the beginning so this is the fundamentals of coaching so for the reading suggestion today I will give you a book called Neuroscience for Coaches and it's a book by Amy Brand. And it's well uh, uh, I I say a pretty basic book there's it's very easy to read and it's important because as managers we need to coach and as coach coaches we need to understand a little bit about neuroscience how does the brain work and how can I uh, well help other people to create the perfect setting for uh, each one of the scenarios we want to induce in the organizations. Um, and that's it for today. So I want also to let you know about the Portuguese word, of course, because, well, you know, it's our tradition. So today we'll learn about hormones. So hormones in Portuguese is hormonas. Hormonas. So thank you very much for listening. Reach out for feedback, you know. Also share and click on the bell if you want to receive the notifications for new episodes. And see you on the next episode.